Let me invite you to open your Bibles, please, to the book of Galatians, chapter 3. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that we have the privilege of meditating upon that which you have recorded for us. You've breathed this out, and it is of great importance. And we, we tremble before your word, not because we're afraid, but because we see the importance. We ask for your spirit to enable our understanding, to strengthen our minds, to teach us, to draw us near. May we glorify you as we worship you in the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Earlier this week, my son Asa was having a pretty bad day. So I decided that he and I would go outside, which is just about his favorite thing to do. So as we were outside in the midst of his 8.3 million questions, we were gathering sticks for his ever-increasing and growing stick pile. As we were picking up these sticks, we found sticks in different stages of decay. Some of them seemed more lively than others. But I can assure you, they were all dead. As he was picking up one of these sticks... It broke. He didn't break it. He picked it up and it broke. And he wanted to know. As he was saying, Daddy, why is this so crumbly? I said, it's because it's dead. And he said, dead? <laughs> A branch that is not connected to its source of life is not alive. It might look fine. It may even have vegetation still on it. But if it's not connected, it's dead. Appearance of life is not the same as life. Know this, we are all born spiritually dead. We are in desperate need of God's intervention in our lives, to bring us to life. We need for him to connect us to the source of life. What we'll see this morning, briefly, is that the Spirit is the one who brings forth this life within us. And it is the, the Spirit who then sustains that life that God has granted to us. And finally, we'll notice that the Spirit guarantees, guarantees this life eternally. Look at Galatians chapter 3, only looking at verse 3. Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit or by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? That is a great question. He asks, are you made perfect by the flesh when in fact the beginning was by means of the spirit? So by inference here, he's telling us that our spiritual life arrives by the spirit. And by inference, that it continues by the Spirit. And if you draw that to its proper conclusion, it ends 
by the Spirit. So our spiritual life begins, continues, and ultimately continues because of God's Spirit's work. So first of all, the Spirit gives life. With that in mind, let us turn in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Now this text is just going to tell us that God does this. We'll see from other passages of Scripture that it's God the Spirit who gives the life. In Ephesians chapter 2, it begins off with this morbid and deathly statement. He says in verse 1, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. He just said, you and I were dead. We were filled with passions, the wrong kind, and those passions result in wrath. That's the bad news, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy. Why? Because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, even then he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his what? That is God granting to us something. His favor, his righteousness, right standing, eternal life. God's immeasurable grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. So, so God takes us from dead in trespasses to alive in Christ. How? By grace. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. We're going to come to that verse in a few moments. Let me invite you to open your Bibles or turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 12. In Ephesians 2, we're dead because of our trespasses. We're dead in our sin. God gives us life through Christ by his grace. You're turning to 1 Corinthians 12. I want to remind you of the passage of scripture that Brian opened our service up with. The Bible says in John 6, 63, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help, or in another translation, the flesh profits nothing. It cannot bring life. It's no help at all. The words I speak to you are spiritual. They're from the spirit, and they are life-giving through the spirit. The spirit gives life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 12, the Bible says this, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that body, though many are one body, listen carefully, so it is with Christ. So it is with Christ. Many members, 
one body. So it is with Christ. Verse 13. For in one, what's it say? Spirit, we were all baptized. That is not water baptism. That is spirit baptism. We were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. The concept here in 1 Corinthians 12 is God has taken all these different people and united them together in one place, one person, in Christ. He's taken those dead branches and grafted them in to the root, which is Christ. Without being grafted into the root, which is Christ, there's no life. The Spirit takes us from dead branches and, and decaying without ever having spiritual life, and he places us into that life-giving source, into union with Christ. This is what the Spirit does. The Spirit gives us life. We've begun in the Spirit. We've, we've received life in the Spirit. We've received the spiritual understanding and the reality of connectedness and union with God because of the Spirit. He makes us alive. Take a look over at John, uh, Titus chapter 3. Beginning in verse 3 of Titus chapter 3, very similar structure here as Ephesians chapter 2. He says in verse 3, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. And we have one of those interruptions in the flow. But... But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. Now how did he do it? By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. The word regeneration simply means to give life again. To give life again. We were born into this world and we're given spiritual life. Now, added to physical life is spiritual life. That's being born again. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Why? Because we are a new creation in Christ. How does it come? The Spirit. The Spirit gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, it very, makes it very clear that if we do not have the Spirit, we are not Christ's. If we do not have the Spirit, we are not Christ's. And the way we know we have the Spirit is the Spirit of God's Son, Jesus Christ, cries out from within us, and we cry out, Abba, Father, there's no one else that I want to place myself under the care of. I, I trust you. I need you. I need, have your, I, I need life from you. Abba, Father. This comes from the Spirit. I can't, I can't cry out, Abba, Father, in the truest sense. I may be able to say the words, I mean, I can sing a song. I can say, all I have is Christ. I can say the words. Saying the words doesn't make it true from the innermost mind. The only way I can truly sing forth, all I have is Christ. The only way I can truly say forth, Abba, Father, is by the Spirit whom he's poured out. 
into my spirit so I could become a spiritually living being. Because I was dead. Dead in my trespasses and sin. Dead in my disobedience. Dead in my waywardness. Dead in my lust. Dead in my slavery to myself. And the Spirit gave life. The Spirit takes this dead stick and grafts it into the life-giving stream of Jesus Christ. Now, instead of spiritual death, I have spiritual life. This is the beginning. Having begun in the Spirit, it's the beginning. There's more, folks. It's not just about a beginning. There's always a middle and an end. There's a middle and an end. The middle, what I have to understand about that is that it's the Spirit who sustains life. I don't sustain life. Oh, I've given you life, now go and sustain it. No! The same way we started, by the Spirit, is the same way we continue, by the Spirit. That is the argument of Galatians. Particularly chapter 3, but the whole book, really, is you have begun in the Spirit, you are not now made perfect by the flesh. It doesn't work that way. The same way you entered into the Christian life is the same way you continue in the Christian life. It's by the Spirit. It's by grace. It's by Christ. It's by the gospel. This is the beginning. The Spirit sustains life. Head over now to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. The Spirit sustains life. I'm going to do a little bit of work here. You ready to do some work? We're digging into the scriptures for just a few minutes. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 17, it'll sound very similar to some of the things we've already read. Except, now in Ephesians 4, 17 and following, he's not saying, you were once like this, and God rescued you. Now he's saying, don't do what you used to do. Don't live like you used to live. God has rescued you from that. And he tells us how to deal with this sustaining of life after rescue. Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must, are we in talking about grace or law here? Help me out, folks. It's law. He said must. You must. That's law. Law is not bad. Law doesn't make us spiritual. The law tells us what's wrong and what violates the spirit. He says, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are, the Gentiles, those who don't know Christ, they are darkened in their understanding. Listen, they are alienated from the life of God. They haven't had the Spirit give them life. They're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Now, that's not an insult. It's just they don't understand. They don't know God. They haven't embraced God. They're, they're ignorant of who God really is due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality. They are greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Listen, but that is not the way you learned Christ. That's not who you've learned Christ to be. Don't live your life as if you never met Christ. Don't live your life as if that encounter with Jesus and the life given to you by the Spirit that has given you life from God for the first time and has connected you vitally and mystically into a union with Christ, don't ignore that. Verse 21. Assuming 
that you have heard about him, Jesus, and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Now, here's what he tells us to do about this. Here's where we move from law, what we must or must not do, to the means by which that comes to pass. What do we call that, folks? Grace. Law to grace. Constant in the scriptures. Law to grace. Constant. Grace. Verse 22. To put off your old man, your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt or is growing corrupt through deceitful lusts or deceitful desires. Verse 23. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. To be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. I want you to focus in on verse 23. Oftentimes we'll talk about 22 and 24 because it is so vital to our understanding of walking in the power of the Spirit, walking in the gospel. So we focus on 22 and 24. Right in the middle, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, it's not talking about the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean that this is not talking about the Holy Spirit. And you're sitting there saying, you just really confused me, pal. You just said it doesn't talk about the Spirit, but it does talk about the Spirit. What are you saying? Here's what you have to understand. He's talking about the Spirit of our mind, but the only way the Spirit of our mind is renewed in truth and the Gospel and, and grace and God's Word is by the Spirit of God. So he is talking about the Spirit. You must be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And by being renewed in the spirit of your mind, you won't want to walk in the lusts of your flesh. You won't want to walk in the, the slavery of your own passions. You won't want any of that because the spirit says, this is better. You know that Jesus is enough? There's coming a day. I, are you a believer? No, don't answer that out loud. Are you a believer? There's a day coming. You're going to see your Savior face to face. All the nasties of this world will be gone. All the desires of your wicked heart, all gone. You will be in his presence forever, and you won't miss one thing that you've catered to yourself on this earth. You won't miss one second of it. Why? Because you will see your Savior, and it will be enough. It'll be enough. Jesus has told us that he satisfies. He satisfies. Do you believe it? He does. We won't need to thirst again. We'll never hunger again. He satisfies the longing soul. And, and that day is coming when it will all be complete. In the meantime, folks, we need the Spirit to inform our minds with the word of the satisfaction that is found in Christ. Look at Romans 12. This is a familiar passage of Scripture. Romans 12, beginning in verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. So stop right there. Don't put on from the outside the world's standards of thinking and acting and speech. Don't put on that which really is not who you are. 
Instead, be transformed from the inside out. Be transformed, how? By the renewing or renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. What is he saying? Allowing the spirit to inform your mind. How do I know that's what he's saying? Well, another passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians 4.16, the Bible says this. Listen carefully. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self, our outward self, is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Now, some of these sticks that my son and I were looking at, they look fine. They look good. Some of them still have leaves on them. Everything seems Okay, inside, however, they're being deprived of vital nutrients and life. It is deteriorating from the inside out as the, the, the inside dries and the, and the nutrients dry and, and the thing becomes more brittle and it certainly is not sending any food to the leaves and the leaves aren't really taking in the, the sun in the way that produces chlorophyll and all that stuff that makes photosynthesis take place. It, it's all broken. It's broken. From the inside out, it's deteriorating. The believer, on the other hand, listen carefully, the believer may appear to be decaying on the outside. You can feel it. Your eyes grow dimmer. Your ears get a little less keen. Your hair gets a little thinner or grayer or whatever. Your skin gets a little less, you know, stick-to-itive. You know what I mean? Stuff starts to droop a little bit. The body starts to hurt. The bones start to hurt. The muscles start to hurt. The ligaments and tendons have been stretched for years on end with all the things you're doing. You get weaker, and, and, and it feels like everything's deteriorating. So on the outside, we may be deteriorating. But if you're a believer, on the inside... You are sustained by God's gracious work through the Spirit. He says, daily we are renewed by the Spirit of God, day by day. What is the Spirit doing? Now, we've talked about the fact that it's a renewing of our mind from Ephesians 4 and a renewal of our mind in Romans 12. And then again in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, again it says, being renewed day by day. How is this taking place? One last scripture text on this portion 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. How is my mind renewed day by day? How is my inner man strengthened day by day? What, what is the course of action? Folks, the way your inner man is renewed day by day or sustained is by the Spirit of God himself. The Spirit takes the Word, applies the Word to our Spirit, and gives us sustenance. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 9, the Bible says, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything. Even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one compares the thoughts of God 
comprehends, excuse me, comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept things, the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness or folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is, uh, is himself to be judged by no one. For he, or for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. What, what is the spirit doing with the word that sustains us? He's constantly pointing us to who? He's constantly pointing us to Jesus. There is your perfect standing. There is your perfect righteousness. There is what sustains you and gives you purpose and meaning and a right relationship with God now and forever. He keeps pointing us to Jesus. How are we renewed in the spirit of our mind? We keep on allowing the spirit to point us to the gospel and how God has graciously intervened in our lives to take us from death, inability, to life that he sustains. The spirit sustains us. Having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Folks, what's the answer? No. The spirit gives life. The spirit sustains life. Finally, and only for just a couple of moments here, the spirit guarantees life. The Spirit guarantees life. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 1. This is the outworking of this life-giving process. There are some folks, and I am not saying this to, to criticize, to look down in any way. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying. There are some folks that believe that God grants life and sometimes he pulls it back. Like there's something you can do to warrant God saying, I, I loved you, but I don't love you that much. I, I loved you, but you have done one too many things to, to upset me. They believe that God gives salvation and retracts salvation. They believe you can lose your salvation. They, they would say that you can cause yourself to be severed from Christ. Jesus has some things to say about that, about God's Father's hand and all of those things. Um, we're not going to get into that. I want to just talk about the Spirit and His guarantee of life. Ephesians 1, beginning in verse 13. In Him, Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the what? The I hope so of our inheritance. What does it say? In other translations, you'll see the term earnest or down payment. He's the guarantee. You could call him the first fruits. You want to know what heaven's like? You want to know what heaven's like? You know, when you experienced the rebirth when you came to know Jesus as your Savior and you were like, 
I can't even believe this. I can't believe that God would save me. And you could, you could feel, you could tangibly in your heart and your mind and your soul, you could feel that God loves you and that you're part of him and that you have a relationship with him. You could feel it in the core of your being and there was no one that could dispute that with you. No one under any circumstance. That's just a little teeny taste of the way you'll feel forever and ever without end. He's a down payment of your eternal relationship with God. He's the, the guarantee. Until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory, because he did it. Think about this. We have been given the spirit so that we will know how great heaven is. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed. That's God signing his name on you. Sealed for the day of redemption. In 2 Corinthians 5.5, 5, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1.21 and following, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Friend, I don't know what your spiritual condition is. I can assure you, if you'll trust Christ, the spirit will dwell within you unendingly until you get into heaven and receive the fullness of the entire possession. You won't need the Spirit to dwell in you in heaven. You'll be in God's presence forever. Instead of a, a foretaste, instead of the first fruits, instead of a, a little glimpse, you have the possession of the whole thing forever. Unending joy. The Spirit does this work of regeneration, giving us life. The Spirit does this work of sustaining us. The Spirit does this work of providing us with assurance. What he does is he connects us to Jesus Christ. This is a life-giving union. He reminds us of the powerful work of Christ to sustain us and applies the work of Christ to our record of sin. So while this study has been related to the Spirit's role in providing life, that's what we've been talking about, the Spirit's role in providing us with life, his role is based upon the work of Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ has perfectly fulfilled the law. He obeyed it in every respect. He laid his life down in what we call a substitutionary atonement. What Jesus did was he said, instead of so-and-so dying to pay for their sin, I will step in their place and I will give my life as the substitute for their sin. And theirs and theirs and theirs and theirs and theirs. Particular, definitive. He gives his life as a substitutionary atonement. He lives per lived perfectly obedient to the law. He substituted himself for us and he was raised from the dead triumphantly over what? Sin, death, Satan, 
This is the basis of our celebration of the Lord's table. Who provides this table? Well, some, some people in the church got everything all together. They put them in the, in the plates. They, they put the tablecloth on nice-nice. They put them all out here. They, they, they set this thing up. Who, who sets the table? God does. This is his, this is his communion. This is us communing with him in a, in a, in a special way. God sets the table and asks us, would you like to join me? The question should be asked, who should join in this celebration? Anyone that knows Jesus Christ as their Savior and, and is allowing the Spirit to work in their lives, which means the Spirit brings forth obedience. If we are resisting the Spirit's work in our lives, something's out of place. Something's out of place. What do we do if there's been, to this point, a resistance from ourselves to the Spirit's work? Well, here's two options. Option A, and the preferable one. Confess your sin. Say, God, I've been choosing me. I've been choosing the desires of my flesh. I've been resisting your spirit. I know you've been directing me in this way, and and I've been refusing. I'm not willing to obey your scriptures. Something is wrong. Forgive me. The reality is you are forgiven, but there's a, there's a difference between forgiven eternally and in a right relationship to, in, in time. So we confess our sin, and God says, the Bible says God is faithful. It means he'll do it every time. And just, it means that there's been a payment that's been extracted for that sin. Faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's option A. You see yourself resisting God's will and God's truth? Confess your sin and partake. Option B, unwilling to go through option A, unwilling to confess my sin, unwilling to turn from my own passions to God. I want to hold on to these things. Option B is don't take part. Don't take part. We're not going to make that decision for you. I will warn you that the the Bible does warn us not to partake in an unworthy manner. An unworthy manner is not considering our current as well as long-term standing with God. And so I charge you, if you're a believer and you want to walk in the power of the Spirit and you're willing to confess your sin, partake, join us as we, as we proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. If, on the other hand, you're not a believer, you don't know Christ as your Savior, you don't have that eternal assurance of, of, of eternal salvation, or you will not confess your sin and repent and turn from your, your own passions to Christ, I would ask you for your own benefit in the purity of our fellowship that you refrain. Father, thank you. Thank you for Jesus, his death on our behalf, his life on our behalf. You're raising him to new life as a foretaste of what will also, as a first fruits of what will happen in our lives. Thank you for your spirit who gives us life and sustains our life and gives us a guarantee of our eternal inheritance with you. Thank you for the celebration of your table that we have fellowship with you corporately and individually. Thank you for this covenant. We ask that you would, by your grace, enable us 
to demonstrate your love and kindness and care, a concern for those outside of here as we bring the gospel with us, as we seek to aid those who have needs. We pray that you would use us. We pray, Father, that you would do what only you can do by bringing souls to yourself, that we would see the harvest of your faithfulness and the fruitfulness of your gospel proclaimed and lived. May we see the fruits of this for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.